Hello again, everybody, and welcome to 1989 WCW's Halloween Havoc. And that was the theme there that you heard starting us off that they used for the 1989 WCW NWA Halloween Havoc, which was the very first ever Halloween Havoc in history. Now, I went in, watched this, loved it. There were so many matches that I could have done watch-alongs with. This thing would have been like a 15-hour episode because back in the day when WCW NWA did big pay-per-view events, they they had like eight eight matches on a card, you know? They, they, they overstacked their card with as much talent as they could to sell it out or to just make the profit and so that the guys could have a place to work. And, and we're going to get right into it, give us just, you know, I'm just I'm raking through my notes. Is what I'm doing. You hear the you hear the paper folding. I, I took plenty of notes. Uh, I did this yesterday. Kind of watched through it as I was getting ready for AEW's big night last night, which I have to say was a, a phenomenal show. But we're back in 1989. We ain't gonna be talking about AEW. We're gonna be talking about the Halloween Havoc, the very first Halloween Havoc, and this is a special one. And after I did the research and I realized a few things. Um, you're going to find out a very interesting thing that, that, that is actually used in, in, in the futuristic wrestling of today. And it's, it's nothing like what it was used for back then. So anybody that's ever watched the 1989 Halloween Havoc knows what I'm talking about, but give me just a minute to ruffle through my notes to answer this phone call, to take care of a few things and, and we'll get rolling right along and I'll queue up more of the audio I've pulled up for us as well. So I've tried talking now twice before I hit the record button because I just got out of French class and I need some downtime before I work on any more homework. But uh, we're we're back in 1989 and I'm kind of wishing we were back in 1989 because it was the year I was born. I was probably, let's see, I was born in May of 1989 and this was in October. So I was five months old at the time of this event actually taking place. Um, now, I did do some deep diving to find out a few things about you know, some of the guys that were on the card that were under mask and things like that, just to kind of give you all some more information on this show. Now, I didn't do a watch along with this one um, because I found a couple of matches on here that I really would have enjoyed doing a watch along with. But by the time that I would have watched along with, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six matches, this probably would have, I mean, there's six that I would have done a watch along with. There's a couple on there that I would have just not watched at all. Now, during the uh, 1989 era of WCW, they were still kind of going, um, going under the NWA name. Now, George Scott had become Booker or head Booker somewhere during this time. Uh, Dusty Rhodes has re had resigned from the NWA in January of 89. Uh, in January of 89, George Scott became the head Booker of the NWA. Now, in um, during all this, you know, process and propaganda and... Um, bullshit that was going on with the Booker issues and things like that. Um, somewhere along the way, Ric Flair became head Booker as well at some point in 89. I don't know. Jim Hurd, 
um, joined in, yep, right here. It's executive vice president. Jim Hurd joined in January of 89 as well. And uh, I'm just kind of scrolling back through some of the historical documents I was able to pull up on some of their stuff. But um, Dusty Rhodes resigned from the NWA effective the 10th of January of 1989. And at that point, I believe was when George Scott took over the book and kind of was in charge. Now, granted, I don't think George Scott, yep, George Scott became Booker on the 19th. He became the head Booker of NWA on the 19th of January of 1989. So you have a lot of things going on here. There, there's a lot of, you know, power plays and people changing positions and people resigning. I mean, the American Dreams, American Dream Dusty Rhodes left and, um, uh, you know, that could have been for the best. It could have been for the worst for WCW at that time. But the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, did resign. Dusty Rhodes did resign in 1989. And uh, George Scott took the book. And I'm looking here to see what the rest of the documentation was because they they have so much stuff on here. They had Clash of the Champions, you know. And that was something that Dusty had came up with. But they, they continued the name on, which now WWE owns. That is just like Halloween Havoc coming up for nxt they own the name to that as well um now i was not able to find who actually came up with the name of halloween havoc they don't have a record on that which is weird but uh, i'm assuming it was probably a dusty Rhodes name or maybe it was a a rick flair name who knows maybe rick flair came up with the name for this one but just kind of skipping through here because they they did do a lot of dealings with uh you know nwa tapings at this time as well as they were working for japan and working with Japan, uh, they worked for, let's see, they did things with Fuji Japan. They did things with HAPW, and that may be the same same people. But these guys were doing a, quite a bit. I mean, they were on the road pretty much all their lives for this, this you know, this company i mean this this was crazy they've got stuff on here that people probably have never seen on tv but i went through and i found the exact documents that have the whole year and that's how i was able to pull out and find out who some of these guys were uh in 89 they had abdullah the butcher that left the company after the nwa insisted he cancel his japan tour and work the april 2nd clash of champions and uh a lot of times that would happen back in the day when a guy would get told hey i need you to cancel your booking somewhere else if they were making more money somewhere else nine times out of ten they didn't cancel the damn bookings they just told the company shove it up your ass i'm going where i'm making money which you know is good for them and bad for them as well but uh i'm kind of speed demoning through this so I'll uh I'll cut right to the chase. I've been like I said, I'm thumbing through my notes. Want to bring y'all the best quality I can since I didn't do a watch along, but um y'all are more than welcome to go watch it and see what y'all think of the show. Um as always, you know, there was some good matches, bad matches. WCW NWA product. It was the very first ever Halloween Havoc. It was a huge event. I mean, seriously huge event. You've got your lead commentators on the job. Good old JR, Jim Ross, and Bob Cottle. The legendary Bob Cottle and JR sitting together, calling the action. One of their main interviewers backstage at this time was still Gordon Sully. And if you don't know those names, you're not a wrestling fan. I mean, that's Gordon Sully, JR, and Bob Cottle all on the same show. Referees for this show. 
Nick Patrick, Tommy Young, and, and and of all people, Bruno San Martino. Now, this was actually Bruno San Martino's debut with the NWA because he had worked for WWF pretty much uh, his whole career until up to this point when he you know he debuted here with uh, with uh, NWA for WCW. Uh, he was actually the referee of the main event that we'll talk about. Uh, a couple little side notes leading up to this show. They had some shows. One, NWA was in Little Rock, Arkansas at the Barton Coliseum in April of 1989, and NWA was in Memphis, Tennessee at the Mid-South Coliseum April 20th of 1989. They did a Lance Russell Appreciation Night. Uh, NWA U.S. Champion Lex Luger defeated Ken- Kendall Windham. Bob Orton Jr. defeated Shane Douglas. Jack Victor defeated Randy, <laughs> Randy Rose. Shane Douglas ended up fought butchery to a draw. Rick Steiner defeated Manuel Valapose. The Great Muda defeated George South. NWA TV champion Sting pinned Dan Spivey. Eddie Gilbert defeated Ken Wayne. Hmm. NWA tag team champion Steve Williams and Mike Rotunda defeated the Road Warriors via counter. NWA US champion Lex Luger defeated Michael P.S. Hayes via disqualification. And the NWA World Heavyweight champion Ricky Steamboat pinned Ric Flair. I bet the fans in attendance that night. Had a hell of a time. I bet that was a great event to be at there in Memphis. Um, And I bet there's not a whole lot of footage on that one, which is a sad thing because back in the day when they would do a lot of these house shows, they didn't have a lot of that that footage that we have of of events now. But anyway, as they they build up their year, they're getting ready to accumulate for their, you know, their Starcade and all that. And they have their their shows that they have to appease. And this one just happens to be the one that I chose because it is Halloween time here. And it's 1989. We're back in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Civic Center. And you hear the voice of good old JR and Gordon Sully and Bob Cottle and JR welcoming everybody to the Philadelphia Civic Center. It was October 28th of 1989. The attendance for the crowd. Hmm. And this one, this one was, it shocked me. 7,300 people. That is all they had. 7,300 people were all they had in attendance for Halloween Havoc. The very first ever Halloween Havoc. Now, we open up. The very first contest of the evening, the father of the fiend, Bray Wyatt, and do you believe Bo Dallas, Mike Rotunda, taking on Z-Man. And if you don't know who Z-Man is, um, gah, it just left me. I knew it, but it just left me. And it doesn't matter. He ended up winning the match, but he's he's irrelevant. I think he was, uh, gosh. What the hell? His name just left me. I just had it. Jeez. Anyway, Mike Rotunda taking on Z-Man. Pretty good little match. It wasn't something that I would have done a watch along with because it didn't really give me that, damn, this is you know an iconic match that we're going to want to talk about later on in 30 years, 31 years from now. This, is, this isn't a match that caught everybody's attention and, and wanted to, uh, you know, send you on the way with it but the next match i would have done a a a watch along with this next one so if y'all want to take the time to check this one out y'all may not find this one interesting i know a few of the competitors that are in this match close friends uh known them for years love these guys they're great athletes um 
you know, God rest his soul. Dr. Death Steve Williams was in this matchup. He's passed on now. He's no longer with us. But we always want to do everything we can to uh, keep his memory alive. But he was in a six-man tag match, and his tag team partners were none other than good friend of mine, beautiful Bobby Eaton and sweet Stan Lane. Of course, James E. or Jim Cornette, however you want to call him, was with them, taking on the Samoan SWAT team and the Samoan Savage. Now, for those that don't know the Samoan SWAT team, one of the guys from the Samoan SWAT team was a very, very young Fatu or Rakishi. Uh, these guys had a fairly good match. There was some miscommunication there at the end of the match. Um, Jim Cornette had a uh, miscommunication. His guy got bumped into him. Samoan SWAT team and Samoan Savage did pick up the victory. Fairly decent match. Great tag team action. Uh, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, was hoping it would go the other way, but Samoan SWAT team and uh, Samoan Savage did pick up the victory. Uh, side fact here, in September of 89, Jim Cornette was added to the booking committee, joining Kevin Sullivan, Jim Ross, Jody Hamilton, and, of course, the head booker, NWA world champion, Ric Flair. Now, that was during September. We are in October. So they're building up to this. Ric Flair is in charge. Ric Flair is calling the shots. He's the head booker. What he says goes. So as they're building up to to what is Halloween Havoc, it's a pretty, pretty wild ride, especially for them to do what they do in the main event. Um, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that here shortly. As uh, we go right along into our next match, we have a guy that is unknown to a lot of people, the Cuban assassin, taking on a man that's known around the Mid-South as Tommy Wildfire Rich. Now, Tommy Wildfire Rich is an old-school ass whooper. Um, now, apparently, he had taken some time off and uh, come back, and they, they said he was in shape, said he had lost weight, this, that, and something else. They talked about how good he looked. The fans did not like Tommy Wildfire Rich there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. For some reason, they were, you know, wildfire sucks and all this other stuff, and it was it was very blatant to me that the fans didn't like Tommy Wildfire Rich, but why would you cheer the Cuban assassin? You know what I mean? I mean, if you... If, old school back in the day they would put somebody from another country in there and make them do a foreign gimmick so they could get the cheap heat Tommy Wildfire Rich should have been the overall baby face in that match but he was getting booed and he was getting told that he sucked and I don't know why but that's I guess it's Philadelphia for you who knows but uh, Tommy Wildfire Rich did pick up the victory fairly good match and I would have uh I would have done a small watch along over it, not like a detailed watch along because the match wasn't like five star, wasn't even four star to me. But I mean, it was fairly good. It's Tommy Wildfire Rich, and uh, you know, always a fan of Tommy. Grew up watching Tommy, so really enjoyed the match. Tommy Wildfire Rich did pick up the victory. We move right along into the World Tag Team Titles, the NWA World Tag Team Titles, and the reigning and defending champions at this time are none other. Then Michael P.S. Hayes, and I believe it was Jimmy Garvin that was with him at the time. Let me double check. I don't want to lie to you. Um, I have found what I'm looking for here. Yeah. The Cuban assassin, Tommy Rich pinned the Cuban assassin eight minutes and 27 seconds into their match. Do, 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 do. Yep, it was Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, the version of the Freebirds. 
and they are the NWA World Tag Team Champions. And they are taking on Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace with Jim Cornette, known as the Dynamic Dudes. And apparently this is somehow uh, Jim Cornette and the Dynamic Dudes had had caused issues with Jim Cornette and Bobby and standing them earlier is what the announcers would lead you to believe, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, at about 11 minutes and 30 seconds, Ian Garvin would pin Douglas after Haynes grabbed Ace's leg and swept him out from under him as the challengers attempted the wipeout springboard double back suplex with Garvin landing on Douglas for the win. The challengers were uh, heavily booed in the match while the champions were heavily cheered. Of course, uh, Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Garvin came out to a bad street. Atlanta, GA. Anyway. Uh, we go right along into the next match, and that was one of them right there. The dynamic dudes, the free birds, had I had time and everything, and we had enough, uh, you know, if, if y'all had enough time to listen to me ramble on about each match, that would have been one I would have done a watch along with because I'm a huge Michael P.S. Hayes fan, especially from back in the free bird day. And then we go right along into, uh, you know, of course, there's interview segments and stuff. I'm cutting those out. I don't, I don't really care. Now they did an interview segment shortly after the first match with Bruno talking about the main event. Uh, we go right along into the Steiner brothers versus Doom. Now, a lot of folks don't remember Doom. Doom was a tag team that was under masks, jacked up, uh, muscular African American or black gentleman. Uh, one of these gentlemen was Ron Simmons, damn, and the other one was Butch Reed, and. God rest her soul. They were accompanied to the ring by a woman. They defeated Rick and Scott Steiner at about 15 minutes and 32 seconds when uh, Reed would pin Rick after woman put a foreign object in Reed's mask and Reed had butted Steiner. Woman and Doom used Bob Seger's Her Strut as their entrance theme that night, which was an interesting thing that I just had to point out because, you know, yeah, the, the guys should have had their music, but the music in my opinion, was for woman. But anyway, it was a hell of a match. Love Ron Simmons. Love Butch Reed. Uh, didn't realize it was them at first. Had had to, to look again and realize. I was like, oh, that's Ron Simmons. I'm going to look it up and make sure I'm right. But it, I was. Uh, that would have been one that I would have watched over uh, and done a watch along with. And so is the next one. The next one was a singles contest. Um, both men coming in in their prime. It was for the NWA U.S. Championship title. Lex Luger. The Lex Express, Lex Luger, taking on the loose cannon flying Brian Pillman in a one-on-one match for the U.S. NWA U.S. Championship Heavyweight title. Now, granted, Lex Luger would pick up the victory at about 16, you know, about 16 minutes into the match. Lex Luger beat Brian Pillman. He uh, pinned Pillman with a hot shot after avoiding a missile drop kick prior to the bout. Pillman was escorted to the ring by several cheerleaders. This was Pillman's first TV loss. Uh, And then, of course, we go into our semi-main event of the evening, which is a – there's no belts on the line, but it's two humongous tag teams. You've got the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering taking on Psycho Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey, the Skyscrapers. With the Mac Daddy himself, Teddy Long at ringside with the skyscrapers. Now, the Road Warriors would defeat these guys via disqualification about 12 minutes into the match. 
went along, hit Ellering with Norman's giant key, then threw it to Spivey, who used it as a weapon. Moments later, as Sid Vicious and Spivey double-teamed Road Warrior Animal, Road Warrior Hawk hit Spivey with the clothesline off the top and cleared the ring with the key. And then we go to our main event. And this one is the one that I told you guys when we got to it, we were going to talk about it for a minute because this one here is something unheard of. So let me thumb back through my notes. We'll pull up everything we've got here and we're going to dive into this one because I want to know what Ric Flair was thinking when he booked this shit. So in case you didn't recognize that, that I had playing there in the background, that was the original theme for the Nature Boy, woo, Ric Flair. As he is in the main event, he is the reigning and defending NWA World Heavyweight Champion at this time. Now, I don't know what in the hell he was thinking when they booked this shit. Um, they could have had a great match without having to do what they did. And and I don't know if maybe they just thought they had to do something to make it look like they just really were pissed. Or, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, sometimes I wonder why people do stupid shit. And this is one of those times because Ric Flair and the booking committee agreed to this match. The name of this match, ladies and gentlemen, you'll never believe it, Thunderdome. Yes, Thunderdome. <laughs> now, granted, WWE has their own version of the Thunderdome today, but this Thunderdome was, in my opinion, sadistic and a little bit ridiculous, and it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. It was, in my opinion, the original Hell in a Cell, because you would think that you know War Games would have been like Hell in a Cell and you'd have had room. No, the War Games wasn't that way. This was a cage with no door. Hell in a Cell East has a door. This thing had no door. It was the, the ugliest, most bulkiest looking thing I had ever seen in my life. They said it, it it had a roof, but when you got to look and you could see at the top of it, that the, it was open, but there was no way for them to actually climb out. Apparently, it was electrified. I never actually seen anyone supposedly electrocuted, or if I did, I didn't realize that's what they were supposedly selling. But this thing was supposed to be electrified. So the way this worked was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Sting, who God knows they had some hellacious matches, teamed up together with Ole Anderson in their corner as their Terminator. Air quotes are being used right now. The Terminator. Now, the whole purpose of the Terminator is to throw in the towel. That's the only way this match could be stopped. Pinfall submissions, none of that mattered. That's why they had to have a special guest referee for this match. The special guest referee was none other than the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino. And this was his NWA debut. And he was the only man they thought that could handle this job. They brought him in to referee this match between Nature Boy Ric Flair and Sting taking on Terry Funk. 
and the NWA TV champion, the Great Muda. With them in their corner was Gary Hart and the Dragon Master. Now, Gary Hart was their Terminator. Gary Hart had the white towel for them, and Ole Anderson had the white towel for the other team. The only way that anybody could win this match was their opponent had to throw the towel in for their team. Prior to the bout, a small fire started at the top of the cage late in the contest. Uh, you know, you see all kinds of things about this. Now, I would have done a watch along with this one, uh, but it took like probably about 24 minutes into this this match. And, and I was like, there's no way anybody's going to, you know, sit there for 24 minutes and watch this if they don't have to. And that's no disrespect to Rick Flair and them because they had a damn good match. Um, at some point, Sting's, they've got a rope in this damn thing, and Sting's using it to Spider-Man over and, and dropkick Terry Funk on the cage and stuff like that. I mean, that's how odd it was. But um, this match was called the Thunderdome. Apparently, it was electrified. The only way you could win is, is by your opponent throwing in a towel. You know, your opponent's Terminator. I'm sorry, your opponent's Terminator throwing in the towel is the only way you could win. So you've got the NWA world champion, Ric Flair and Sting on one side. You've got Terry Funk and the NWA television champion, the great Muda, on the other side. That that right there would have sold seats without the Thunderdome, in my opinion. Now, the Thunderdome was their idea. That's great. I wasn't there. I didn't book the shit. I wouldn't book the shit. Uh, I don't understand why you need an electrified cage. Now, I mean, if you were ECW, I could see you doing that, but whatever. So here we are in the Thunderdome. The match apparently took about 23 minutes and 46 seconds total. They had to everyone get in the ring. Even the Terminator was inside of this damn thing. So there, there was room around the ring. They could walk around inside the cage around the ring and, and be involved in everything they needed to do. So the way this after Anderson punched hard inside the ring, uh, sending Hart's towel up into the air, as Flair had funk in the figure four, Bruno Sammartino was the guest ref for the bout. The pre-match stipulation said the match could only end when one of the designated Terminators, which was Anderson and Hart, threw in the towel for their team. Prior to the bout, a small fire did occur up top of the cage. Something to do with the uh, wiring, from what I understand. But uh, don't know exactly, but... Late in the contest, Flair locked uh, Funk into the figure four with Sting, then, twi uh, then twice hitting a splash off the top before Muda attacked San Martino. When San Martino was knocked down, uh, when, when San Martino was attacked, he then turned around and knocked Muda to the floor. This was, like I said, San Martino's NWA debut, the first Thunderdome match ever, and the winners of this match, of course, were Ric Flair and Sting, as I just said. Uh, Ole Anderson hit Gary Hart, and Gary Hart threw his towel up into the air and it landed in the ring, and San Martino turned around and seen it, did the only thing he could do. Now, there were, um, there were a few things that were going on during this time as well as Halloween Havoc. The next day, October the 29th, and, and I only want to point this out because there was some there was an interview segment on Halloween Havoc where they said something about Hurricane Hugo. And I didn't realize what they were talking about. Now I realize what they were talking about. I was I mean, I was alive during this time, but I wasn't old enough to remember this, but I've heard about it. Um, 
but they did have an NWO sh- NWA show scheduled in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Coliseum on October 29th of 1989 that had to be rescheduled from 9-24 due to Hurricane Hugo. So back in September, they had to reschedule a lot of their shows. And so after they got done on Sunday night with Halloween Havoc, they, they went down to Charlotte to do the the show there. Uh, and I believe Tom Zeke is the Z-Man. I believe Tom Zeke was the Z-Man that took on Mike Rotunda, if I'm not mistaken, guys. Let me... Yep, Tom Zeke. Sure was Tom Zeke, guys. I, I left my mind. I don't know what I was thinking. So anyway... Featured announcers for commentary were, like I said, Jim Ross and Bob Cottle. Started with a backstage segment in which Gordon Sully previewed the interviews he would have during the night. Featured a backstage segment with a guy named Chris Cruz, who also did some interviews he would be doing during the show. Um, The first interview that they did was with Bruno San Martino regarding his upcoming referee role in the Thunderdome main event featuring Sully. And then Sully conducted an interview backstage with Terry Funk and Gary Hart regarding the Thunderdome. And then uh, again, Gordon Sully would interview the NWA tag team champions, Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garving regarding their title defense. Cruz <coughs> would interview Rick and Scott Steiner about facing the debuting doom. Sully then conducted a backstage interview with NWA U.S. champion Lex Luger about his upcoming match with Pillman. Cruz then conducted a backstage interview with Road Warriors and Paul Ellering about their upcoming match with Sid Vicious Dan Spivey. Cruz also conducted an interview backstage with Sting and NWA world champion Ric Flair and Ole Anderson about the upcoming Thunderdome cage. And then, of course, yes, it was Tom Zink who pinned Mike Rotunda at, uh, at the opening bout. But, guys, that was that – was, you know, 7,300 people, first of all. That's not very many fans, in my opinion. Not, not for an NWA-WCW event and not to do something as stupid as the Thunderdome. But now we know where the Thunderdome originated. It was the very original Thunderdome match, as well as it was the very first Halloween Havoc, which brought us many great Halloween Havocs after that. And I do believe there were some more Thunderdome matches after that. I, I haven't. Deep dived into that, but uh, you know, working, working progress here. We're we're doing a little bit of time traveling at a time. Pardon the yawning, lack of sleep from homework, podcasting, and everything else. It wears and tears on an old man. And yeah, I called myself old. There's no denying it anymore. I'm just old. But. I don't know what they were thinking when they they booked the Thunderdome match because, in my opinion, no, it wasn't the the best thing I'd ever seen. Maybe back in the day that, you know, maybe that was something good for them. I don't know. I don't know exactly what their thinking was on the whole thing. I don't know if I'm just out of the loop and don't understand why they would do that. But uh, we'll be doing some more deep diving and and doing some more Halloween Havocs, of course, as well as others. If you have any shows that you would like me to travel back in time to watch, please email us at ccwawrestling at yahoo.com. 
or send us a message on the Facebook page. Guys, if you don't respond, I'll just keep going through and picking out different shows that, you know, spike my interest and in, in doing them that way. But if you want some input, you're more than welcome to have some input. We, we do take requests. If you have a show, a specific show that you want us to cover, uh, please get that to us. And we will definitely do that. Um, you know, there's no reason to, to hold back, guys. We'll, we'll do your we'll do your coverage over whatever you would like us to. But uh, with that said, I'm fixing to get off here and get this one edited out and published up for you guys and ready to roll. I do have some things I need to go take care of. I had some things I'd take care of this morning, but oh, pardon me. I had to uh, have a lot to deal with, but uh, I'm looking at some more Halloween Havoc to look at and, and different things like that and just – thinking about what else we could do to time travel and just some amazing athletes that we could feature on here that didn't get the credit they deserved um, back in the day or today. I mean, there's a lot of guys in WWE that aren't getting the credit they deserve. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know folks, if there's something out there that you want to listen to, uh, go ahead, send it to me. We'll work on it. I do know there's a presidential debate tonight of 10:22 or some shit. So if y'all want to watch the presidential debate, go right ahead. I would rather go get drunk or fight an alligator at this point. I don't know because the presidential debate's like watching my kids fight, and I just I don't have any interest in that shit. I do that every day. But this was our time traveling trip for today. Look forward to more coming out. And like I said, if you have if you have requests, get those to us at CCWA Wrestling at Yahoo.com or you know the Facebook page there, guys. I do see that uh I do see that there's a bunch of wrestling stuff on Netflix now. I was just kind of flipping through there looking to see what they had available. They've got something about Hogan on here and big shows got a show. And I don't know. They just, whatever. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great week. And, uh, if, if I don't see you or talk to you before Halloween, I'll tell you again, just like I tell you almost every time now, happy Halloween. It is October. Uh, my sister just had her birthday yesterday. I don't know. <sighs> Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know if my sister even listens to the podcast or if she ever did. But if she does, I want to tell her a happy birthday. And if any of you guys know my sister, comment on her page on Facebook and tell her happy birthday. I'm not putting her name on here. Uh, I don't want that drama for her. But if any of you personally know my sister, just tell her happy birthday or late birthday. But uh, it is what it is. Thank you for listening from 1989. Halloween Havoc. We were in the Thunderdome. Y'all have a great night. <laughs>